today on City Cash Chicago. Have you ever been in another city or even country? And when you say you're from Chicago, someone replies, oh, like bang, bang. Yeah, it's happened to me all across America and abroad. And yeah, sometimes maybe they know about MJ and Oprah and probably even Al Capone, but they almost always know Chicago as the murder capital of the world. Except it's not. We talked to reporter Natalie Moore about how Chicago got this reputation and what it would take to change it. It's Tuesday, July 6th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. telling students you know what chicago is not the murder capital of the planet it is not the murder capital of north america it is not the murder capital of the united states and it is not even the murder capital of the midwest and even though murder capital is you know is i think a problematic saying because it sounds like you're bragging like chicago has more murders in terms of raw numbers but if you look at per capita there are places that have a higher murder rate. Natalie Moore is a reporter for WBEZ, an author, and a journalism professor. Her book, The South Side, is about the history and policies of segregation in this city and also the story of her family's journey through it. We talked to Natalie about a recent poll in the New York Times. It asked readers where Chicago ranked in terms of the highest murder rate nationally in 2020. Most readers said first, we rank seventh. I want to start with that history. Where does Chicago get this murder capital reputation from? It has been around for about 100 years. <laughs> when I was doing research, I found that in the 1920s that Chicago was called the murder capital. And that on the front page of the Chicago Tribune, there was a death clock. First, it was about automobiles, this new thing that was, you know, leading to some accidents. But there was also a lot of white male ethnic violence. So you might leave your job at the stockyards and then go to a corner tavern and there could be, you know, a knife fight, you know, something that happens that that leads to someone's death. And there were stories back then about how Chicago was more violent than New York and LA, the same things that we hear today. But it's also important to understand the racialization of violence. The white male ethnics who were fighting in bars and killing each other, it was seen as society's problem. When we hear about violence in Black communities, it's seen as that is you all's problem to fix, that it is not society's problem. So can you tell me a little bit about how has this reputation proliferated across maybe the way the news or the media has showcased these narratives? I'm not going to blame the media on everything, but you absolutely had news organizations, especially TV, that would come to our neighborhoods on the South and West sides. And that was the only time that they showed up. So it gave a skewed perception of what living in these communities was actually like, where it's not, even in the places that have, you know, that that would be statistically the most violent, there's also 
boring things that happen in those neighborhoods. People are just living their lives. And of course, there's also joy. And when you see the violence is in neighborhoods that are Black, it gives, I think, people license to say, well, that's not my problem. If just if they just change their behavior, it becomes individualistic. And of course, like this is antisocial bad behavior, <laughs> but you're not looking at the bigger picture. What do these neighborhoods have in common? Oh, segregation. Oh, disinvestment. You know, and, and the, the list can can go on and on. You talked about even dating to the 1920s, that the Chicago Tribune was covering uh, murder in the city with a death clock. You know, papers to this day still have a running sort of death toll or tracking. I do think that there has been some slight movement in how violence is talked about. I think that journalists wrestle with this. I wrestle with it. If you don't cover something, are you ignoring a community? But I do think that there has been a deeper understanding or at least conversation and some news coverage, not across the board, not everybody, but looking at how all these systems play. And I understand, you know, I I was reading about how some residents in in Chatham are saying, well, we want drones, we want more surveillance. That does not seem like the solution. But I also understand when people feel like they're under assault in these neighborhoods and this is their lived experience, they're feeling desperate. Mm-hmm. They're reaching for whatever may help. I wanted to get back for a second, thinking through the reputation in Chicago and how much of that is racialized. Crime and how we think about it in our society has largely been racialized. Do you feel like a lot of the coverage around Chicago is racist? Because Chicago is so big, it has allowed people from some neighborhoods to not even think about folks in other neighborhoods because it's so far and they have no reason to visit. And I had always had the feeling like one day this is going to be even a bigger Chicago problem because crime is only going to be contained in areas for so long. You know, for example, carjackings were all over the city. They weren't just on the South and West sides. They're not always going to see it as a collective issue. And it's going to take it being more personalized to get to that point of seeing this as a Chicago issue. How can news organizations work to make these stories more personal, feel more uh, like our problems to fix? Because, again, right now we're seeing a lot of sort of faceless, nameless quantifying of what's going on across the city. It's harder for television to do that, but that's how people get their news. And it's a paint by numbers scenario. You go to a crime scene, the yellow tape, you do a standup, you you get some reaction and you don't get any depth to it. And TV is limited by how long their stories can be. They don't have the same broadcast space that we do in public radio or public television or the same amount of space that, you know, you would get at a, in the dailies. You know, it's that and you have to report on what is what is happening in, in the news. And I, I do think when there are children involved and small children, you know, everybody ends up doing those stories because it's so tragic. So I don't think 
the solution is ignoring gun stories. And I don't know what complete balance looks like, but I think news organizations have to do some analysis, do an autopsy of their own work and say, what kind of stories do we do when we leave downtown? What are our neighborhood stories? What are, are we doing solution-oriented stories? In the newsrooms that you've worked in, you know, what does that conversation look like with you and your colleagues? The default in this country, in general, is whiteness. When we say American, we think white. When we say working class, there's a silent W for white in front of that. And when we think of listeners, I think, or viewers or readers, the default is is white. If you want to have diverse coverage, think about people who want to see themselves in the story, show joy in neighborhoods. And I don't want to minimize people's fears because there are fears about, should you let your kid go out to play? But I do think that we start believing what we are told about ourselves in our communities. Is that because of media coverage? Like, is the chicken or the egg? That's what is really of concern to me, is how we are processing our own city. Do you have any advice for people who are in the national media who cover Chicago on how they can do a better job? Resist whatever it is that you first thought that you want to do (laughs) and talk to local journalists who you admire, talk to people on the ground, listen to the critiques of other coverage, say, what pitfalls can I avoid? And context, context is everything. Natalie Moore, journalist, teacher, and author. Thanks for being here. Well, I'm glad I got to make CityCast. Some good news to get you through. Tonight, Art on the Mart is going to be extra vibrant and filled with music and dancing. A video showing off Chicago footworking will be displayed across the Merchandise Mart. Then, in honor of Frida Kahlo's birthday, some of her most famous works will be displayed across the walls. Before I let you go, speaking of birthdays, I have to give a birthday shout out to our newsletter writer and editor, Sydney Madden. Happy birthday, Sid. Happy birthday, Sid. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.